Today we are going to look at uh, Psalms, Psalm number 139, Psalm 139, the whole chapter. Um, we're going to um, meditate word by word. Um, just before um, we read, uh, we go through Psalms, I just want to, um, want everyone to uh, close our eyes and look at um, our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the wonderful day. Thank you for all your mercies. Lord, as we study your word, we humble ourselves and we submit ourselves to you. Lord, cleanse us, anoint us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, please search our hearts and lead us into everlasting life. Speak to us individually through your word. Magnify your word, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Years ago, there was a debate on BBC between two uh, men. One of them happened to be uh, a famous uh, biologist who is also an atheist, uh, Richard Dawkins. Uh, many of you heard about him, and also he, you heard about him uh, on the radio and few medias, and also you are familiar with some of his books that he wrote. Um, it happened that he himself and Reverend uh, Gills from Anglican Church, they had a d debate. Um, the debate went on, and then right in the middle of the debate, Reverend Gills asked him a question. Richard, can you tell me the full title of your book? And he stumbled for a second, and he, this is how uh, he said, Oh God. So now, the atheists are looking for God. So whatever they believed, I don't think it is working. So it's not only him. Many of the atheists are looking out for God who is real in the world. Although we don't see him face to face now, I hope one day we will all see him face to face. So this Psalm 139 is actually talking about God's perfect knowledge of man. Many of you have a King James Version or New King James Version Bible. The Bible gives a subtitle. It says, God's perfect knowledge of man. It's very interesting to me because uh, when you read uh, Psalms, um, it talks about you know, human interaction. Um, it's actually uh, how the readers uh, or the poets express themselves uh, going through different life experiences. This psalm was actually written by King David, who was a shepherd uh, before he became a king for Israel. Many scholars believe that he penned this psalm when he was a shepherd boy. And when you read this psalm, it actually uh, you know, talks about personal uh, feelings, personal things as well. When you read this psalm, uh, you come, underline the word you. 
it, you know, it's mostly in every sentence you would see the uh, word you. So that means it's very personal. So this is personal to you and me and everyone who's reading it today and whoever is going to read it any day. And you know, when, when you look at this psalm, it actually begins with searching the heart. This is very, very important. I was talking to my father uh, a few weeks ago. This is how he, uh, you know, he spoke to me. We had a long conversation. At the end, he said, son, it's okay to uh, preach or teach in the church. The most important thing is to practice what it says. So searching our heart by Jesus Christ, by Holy Spirit is very, very important when we read Bible. Many times we were convicted of our wrongdoings. Other times we were encouraged by the Holy Spirit to take direction, right direction, I suppose. Many times we were cautioned not to go further, things like that. So searching our heart during our morning devotion or whatever devotion is very, very important. So this psalm actually begins with searching heart and it also ends with searching heart. It talks about creation. And also it talks about present life of any human being, middle life, not midlife crisis, midlife, and the future life as well. And it begins with searching heart, it ends with again searching heart, and then finishing with everlasting life. That's why Jesus came to the world. He came to the world to give us his life, that life is everlasting for those who believe in him. And this psalm actually talks about the, uh, some of the God's greatness. And uh, this psalm doesn't talk about all the attributes of God, but it does, however, speak some of its attributes. Um, you can call, you know, when you look at verses from 1 to 6, it talks about omniscient. That means all-knowing God. Between 7 and 12, the psalm talks about omnipresent. That means the God who is present everywhere. And then between 13 and 18, it talks about omnipotent. That means how our God is powerful and skillful. And then it ends with the prayer between 19 and 24. Um, so we, we, we will go through verse by verse. Um, I hope to finish within 20, 25 minutes. Um, if I'm going over, please excuse me. Let's begin uh, the first part. First point is for our uh, meditation is omniscient God. It's between one and six. That means God who knows everything. As I said to you a few minutes ago, every word or every other word in this psalm is very personal. The word you comes. So let's see how King David talks about the knowledge of um, the individual life of himself and also it applies to all others as well. I just go, uh, you know, when I was um, writing a few points for this morning devotion, I just wanted to know what is the current world population. So the Google said 7.96 billion people on the world. So that includes all of us, children, adults, young adults, old adults, all, all the people living in the world from all the continents. So we are all God's children. We are all equally created by God, beautifully and wonderfully created by God. 
So, when we go through, you know, the, 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 these, were, um, these Psalms, especially between 1 and 6, you, you come across different words um, that he talks about the knowledge of individual uh, again and again. So if you want to, uh, go, you know, if you want to read it, you can read it uh, when you go home. Ephesians chapter 1, 4, this is very, very uh, famous um, argument that Paul um, says in the book of Ephesians about our chosen life in, in Christ. So it, it starts like, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy, blameless before him in love. So every one of us, those who accept Christ, were chosen by God, why? Just to be holy, blameless before him in love. So when you talk about, uh, when you think about the word you, you is again personal, so once we accept Christ, we, are all, we were all God, called to be children of God. And when you go to, um, go back to John chapter 21, 17, John 21, 17, this is a famous uh, dialogue between Peter, Peter and uh, Lord himself. Lord asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? It's, it's not like, it's not something like, Peter, do you love me? You know, that, not, not that kind of conversation at all. Maybe there were many other things uh, Lord Jesus himself discussed with Peter. So one of them was, you know, do you love me? So he asked me, he asked him three times, do you love me? And then Peter got fed up because, you know, three times he asked the same thing he said, Lord, you know all things. So again, you know, when you look at this, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus Christ, he also, in, in, in the time he lived, acknowledged that Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world, knows all things about every one of us. And then in, chap in John chapter 4, 29, that, um, again, John writes, it, um, writes a dialogue between a Samaritan woman and Jesus Christ. We were all familiar with this story. So this woman was marveled when, when Jesus revealed everything about her life, that you know she was like that, she, she, she is now, and if she accepts Christ, she's going to be with him and things like that. So when you look at this verse, John 4, 29, it says, the lady says actually, who the Lord himself who told me all things I ever did, could this be Christ? So, this lady also acknowledges as a Samaritan woman who is not a Jewish um, by birth, that the Lord himself knows everything. And then again, on the same chapter, on the, on the same book, John 7, 15, there was a, uh, there was a conversation between uh, Jewish and uh, Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the way the Jewish people looked at Jesus was uh, because he was he came from uh, Nazareth. What would come from Nazareth? That means you know we say that oh that part of Dublin oh that part of Limerick is rough. You know something like that. Nazareth was labeled as it's good for nothing. But because this is Jesus Christ who came into the world, who was a God, who is God. So. The words that came out of uh, Jesus Christ made Jews wonder that, is he Christ? So they were all marveled at him because of the way he spoke to them in authority. So obviously, 
But back then, Jesus knew what, well, what things were going on when he was discussing with uh, Jews. So the take-home point on this uh, section of the psalm is God knows us individually. God knows us what's going on in your heart, in your thoughts. We may, you know, you, you don't know what I'm thinking. You, you don't know other what other people are thinking, but God knows us individually because the psalm actually talks in the later part of the section that God has skillfully, wonderfully made us. So the take home point is again, God knows us individually. And then, when you look at uh, first and second words, you know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts far, far off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you, you are acquainted with, with all my ways. Basically, it, it tells us that God knows us inside out. You know, our parents uh, are our, our, our partners, they know us inside out, nearly 90%, I guess, because we all have to learn 10 more percent, I suppose, as we grow along. But God knows us inside out. He knows everything because he is the creator. That's what he talks about um, God in um, who, at verse two and three. And when you look at the uh, word, comprehend my path and my lying down. So basically in verse, three, uh, in verse three, it says, God is keeping constant watch on us. Many of our children, especially the teenagers, they don't like uh, when, we are, when we are constantly watching them in their bedroom or whatever. So our God is not like a parent or teacher who is uh, paying constant uh, watch trying to point out that you did something wrong. No, no, no. He is keeping constant watch just to protect us so we won't be wandering around. And when we, when we go further into Psalms uh, 121, which is again a familiar passage to all of us, Psalm 121.8, it says, the Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. Again, going back to Psalms 91 verses 11 and 12, again, very familiar passage in the Sunday, from the Sunday school onwards. The Lord shall give his angel charge over you. Many, many times, um, you know, our family members use these verses, one of these verses, especially when we, when we travel abroad or when we travel too, too far. So this actually tells us that God, who is always keeping an eye on us, he is there to protect us wherever we go. And, and then again, um, verse four. It go, um, for there is not a word on my on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know all together. So basically, the word four uh, actually says that God knows our past, our present, and future. It's it, it, it's interesting the way that he uh, David writes it here that even before I say a word, God, you knows. That means that the God who knows us personally. That's how many of our, uh, um, our desires come true because God knows what's going on inside. If the desire matches his will, whether you pray it or not, sometimes God will answer your desire. Next, in uh, verse five, it talks about protection from all sides. You know, when you, when you read it, it says, you have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. In some, um, in some um, Bible, in Bible verses, it says enclosed. That means God is the, 
not only watching us constantly he is is at the front he is at the back he is at the right hand he is at the left hand to protect wherever you are going so well, uh, you know when you read uh, psalms uh, commentary or life of king david you know how david was tormented by saul and his enemies even his family own family members wherever he was god was with him whether he was in the cave or running away or hiding in the forest or in the castle wherever he was god was constantly on his side protecting from every side from all his enemies so again the take home point on 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 these verses between 1 and 6 is trust him he knows us inside out our past present and future he watch over us and protect us from all side so our god is omniscient who knows everything about us next section is between 7 and 12 who is omni uh, who um, our god uh, sorry our god is omnipresent that means all present he is present everywhere you know sometimes uh, we see um, some people everywhere not, not not literally sometimes we see you know a particular flower or, or a particular bird wherever we go we see them for example in this country we see pigeons everywhere they are in hospitals they are in road they are at the seaside they are everywhere so they are everywhere but, but they are not one whereas it's not a right comparison but i'm saying our god is omnipresent that means he is present everywhere although we don't see him face to face now when you go through verses between 7 and uh, 12 you know you, you can underline the words like heaven hell sea night darkness and morning so he's there it doesn't matter whatever whatever time is is present everywhere um um i was actually um reading something about sunlight because here in one of the verses it talks about um in nine if i take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea so the wings of the morning it's a direct allusion to sunlight um many of you heard about uh, how fast the sunlight travels from one direction to another direction so again i just want to um make sure that I, i'm giving the right statistic that I, although i'm not a scientist so the sunlight actually travels uh, about 186000 miles per second from one direction to another uh, other direction doesn't matter how far you go like jonah was trying to run away from god's presence god's presence will be there wherever you go god's presence will follow you when you go back to psalms 46:1 again psalm 46:1 makes it more personal what it says is god is very present help in in times of trouble so god is not only present everywhere he is also present at the time of trouble so it says very present help in trouble whatever are you in trouble in trouble with your colleague are you in trouble with uh, your family member or friends or neighbor always remember psalm 46:1 that god is a very present help in our trouble when you go back to uh, deuteronomy chapter 4 7 
It talks about how God was so near to the people of Israel during their wandering period that they were so blessed to have God so close to them. So now, a question, we don't see God. How do we see God? Remember the words Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm with you all until the end of the earth. I'm not leaving you as an orphan. I'm sending you a comforter from the Father, who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is within us, is upon us, is within us, and he's there to guide us. So the takeaway point he, um, on, this, on this section between 7 and 12 is, God is so near to us when we need him. Therefore, call him. And then the third point is God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful and skillful. This country, um, we have many craftsmen working in uh, different areas, carpentry, plumbing, electrical, you name it. Um, so our here, Sam, Sam is actually, David uh, compares the creation of God in, in terms of craftsman words. When you look at verse 13, it says, formed, covered, wonderfully made, my frame, my skillful. You know, these are the craftsman's words that you can notice on this section between 13 and 18. So we all know the familiar passage from Genesis chapter 126. We were made in the image of God. Years ago, when I was in secondary school, uh, during my youth period, we, we went to a, a Bible, um, Bible conference, I think. At the end of the conference, uh, the pastor actually took all the youth boys and girls to a nearby zoo. And then he, told, he, he gave us some, some assignments. One of them was, uh, bring the tracks and give it to the people, those who are passing through. Coming from India, it, it, you know, India has India has more, mostly Hindus, Muslims, Christian, and other other people, uh, other, other people from other background as well. So, as a young young teenager, some you know, we, we, we gave tracts to some of them, and and then we were looking at the pastor. Is he watching over us? If he's not watching over us, we just left all the tracts. And then you know, because we we didn't have personal conviction back then, we were like just any other. Um, youth boy. So we did it and then at the end of the trip he called all of us uh, to him and he asked, me, uh, asked us a question. Tell us something. Tell me something. Do you believe that we all came from monkeys? You know he asked, asked us in a funny way. Don't get me wrong. Um, um, and you know we were reluctantly, we were very reluctant to answer him, and we didn't say anything. Especially I didn't say anything back to him because it's very hard for me to believe, as a teenager, that you know this was the popular theory by um, atheist spreading the news around. Um, and he said it to one of one of the guys. Um, if we all came from monkeys, we wouldn't be talking like humans. You know, the, the conversation went on. The point is, nowadays the Google tells you the answer, where we came from, but it, it is not 100% accurate. As a, as, a, as a man coming from science background, I agree that there are some similarities between animals and human beings. 
what I mean is the digestive system. Whatever we eat, whatever the animals and the birds eat, goes through digestive system and then goes up. And then whatever the drugs they introduce, uh, they are all tested on, 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 on animals before they, they test on human beings. So there are some similarities, but totally different. Every creature is different. Every creature is created by God. But God, what is interesting is God created you and me in his own image. So that's what he, you know, in this psalm he talks about it. Again, this section, psalm is, uh, psalmist is actually talking very personal experience, how he, how he was formed in mother's womb. When you uh, go to Jeremiah chapter 1, 5, it says, again, it's a very familiar passage as well. Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. That's what the Lord says. And Zacharias uh, 2.8, it says, For he who touches you, touches the apple of his eyes. Apple of his eyes is nothing but the eyeballs here. So what it says is, we are all precious. We are wonderfully and skillfully made by God. Doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. We are wonderfully and fearfully made. Um, again, uh, I was reading some, uh, some Bible commentaries. In, in one of the commentaries, it says um, about our, 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 um, our, our, um, our human life when we were in mother's womb. There are 60 trillion cells in a small embryo, 100,000 miles of nerve fibers, 60,000 miles of vessels, 250 bones around the body. So this is how you and me are wonderfully and skillfully made by our Lord before even we were created in mother's womb. Isn't that amazing that the scientists are able to look at the creation that this is, you know, these are all the numbers that, you know, it, it is there in the human body. But actually, Psalm, uh, Psalmist actually put it nicely that we were um, wonderfully made. And then on verse, uh, one of the things that we, all, uh, we always come across this time of the year is pro-life campaign. You know, some of us, uh, some of are involved, uh, either in you know spreading the news or walking with them, giving you know tracts and things like that. So, again, uh, the Bible scholars believe that you know we should be uh, we should be supportive of these activities because every human being in um, every human being is God's creation. Every one of them is fearfully and wonderfully made by made by God. Uh, a week ago, I had an opportunity to meet with. Uh, Archbishop of uh, Glendalough and Dublin. We, uh, he, you know, he asked me, where are you from? What are you doing? And things like that. And then he told me one thing that was very interesting to me. He said, John, look at how Muslims are known by what they are doing in this country. They take Irish flag, they go from um, Garden of Remembrance to Croker Park, holding on to the Irish flag, and then they, are, they, they make the public know that there are a number of Muslims living in here. He said it in a diplomatic way. We are not fighting against Muslims. But this, this is the way he said, John, we have to be in and around the country doing like this. That means we have to be known. I know that there are many people uh, come to city centers spreading gospel. That's what he meant. So we need to join with other Christians, those who are outside of church, because now we are heading into a godless um, 
leadership, especially Europe and in some of the countries where they don't have any regard to Bible. This country we all know that was farmed. We all know what was read uh, years and years ago at the front of GPO, right in the name of the God. So we, should, we shouldn't be forgetting God in our lives, although some of them don't believe, but like the way Richard Dawkins was compelled in his thought to say, knowingly or unknowingly, God, I believe someday all our prayers will be here. Many people will come to know Christ. So let's, as, as Archbishop said, let's all, whenever possible, let's all join hands to hands with other in terms of these type of um, activities so people will know the real meaning of life, real biblical value that, that is placed in our society. Then when you look at verse 16, it talks about book of life. Uh, we all believe that at one day, um, the, books are, uh, the, the books in the heaven will be opened. Those who accept Christ and live their life, they will be given rewards and other people will be given account of what they did and things like that. So although he didn't knew all these things, see how he, he beautifully wrote that there are book of life. This is not the first time we see it in the Old Testament. Actually, um, in the five books of uh, Old Testament as well, it's mentioned by Moses that book of life is mentioned. So again, it is not only we are fearfully, wonderfully made by God. He also calls us to live a life that reflects him in every way that is possible. Jesus also talks about book of life when he was, uh, when he was on the earth. Uh, in, in Luke 10, 26, he says, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So book of life is real. That's why King David spoke about it. Even Jesus mentioned when he was alive. And then in verse 17, uh, the verse 17 says, His thoughts, I mean the God thoughts, God thoughts are precious and great towards me. So what it says, um, sometimes, you know, our thoughts towards our uh, friends are okay, but other times it's not okay. Sometimes, you know, our thoughts towards our neighbors are nasty. Doesn't matter who you are, you know, whether you're a Christian going to a Pentecostal church or Baptist church or Catholic church, you know, that includes me as well. I'm, I'm no way perfect. So, but again, in contrast, when you look at Bible verse, God's thoughts are precious and great towards each and every one of us. The take home point is when you feel down on your image, uh, anything in relation to your image. Nowadays, our, you know, our, our children um, are so much into the world of you know, tweet and media and things like that. So their, their, their instructions are mostly come from tweet or media. You know, if the media says you're not right, you have to use this paste or you have to use this cream, they'll be all going for us. But don't feel bad about any of your image because the Bible reminds us that we are wonderfully and skillfully made by Lord. The take home point is when you feel down with your image or anything, in your life, look at God and remember how beautifully and wonderfully you are made by God and I am made by God and his thoughts are always precious. Remember, his thoughts are always precious. That means he's a God who is waiting for you and me to come to him when we do some mistakes and when we do some faults. Go to him. He's there to hug you, not literally, 
spiritually and he will lead you because he's always our father and the last section um, which is between uh, 19 to 24 uh, it is about prayer um, but when you read it um, it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense actually when you read it you know between 19 and 24 what I mean is, it says that David is not happy with the enemies of God. And it looks like he wants a revenge on them. See, this is where some, some people, uh, I mean those who don't believe in Bible, try to trip you and me. Right? It says, look at, you say that David is um, very close to God, he's man after him. But look at what he, he wrote it. But actually that's not the case. So you can't single out a portion from the Bible as we all know. And then they say that you have to compare because every word in the Bible is interlinked. Every chapter is interlinked one way or other. Turn with me to Second uh, Samuel 16, verses between 5 and 13. If you read Second Samuel 16, verses between 5 and 13, you know what David was, you know what David did when David was cursed. When David was cursed by Shimei, he told his friends not to curse him because God may send him to curse. He didn't react to it. So that's why I said, you have to carefully interpret the Bible. So if somebody trips you out, don't fall out with him. Go back, pray, read it. God will, uh, God will help you to find a word that would convince our, uh, the people, those who, uh, those who don't believe in scripture. And again, when you look at the founder of um, Islam and the contrast, Jesus Christ, no offense to anybody else again. I always saw founder of Islam as a dictator, as a man who conquered the, uh, you know, the rest of the uh, Middle East. And, you know, he was ordering people to kill and all those things. But on the other side, what Jesus said, let's all go back to cross. He said, Father, forgive them. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know how many of you know um, the Australian missionary to India called Graham Staines, Graham Staines. If you Google, you will find him. There was also a movie produced. There was also a book written. Um, so Graham Stain and his wife and three children, two boys and a girl, they lived in one of the northeast province of India. They were ministering to the leprosy people. Um, one of the days years ago, uh, they, uh, you know, on the weekend or whatever day was, it was one of their customs that they should go and preach the gospel to the neighboring village. So they preached the gospel, and then on that night, uh, Graham Staines and his two sons, they were sleeping in the van, whereas the wife and the daughter, they were at ha uh, in the house. Some Hindu fanatics, um, or Hindu terrorists, I would rather say, group of them came, and then pour kerosene and touch the van. Three of them died. 
The next day, people came to know, the police came in, all the government officials were full, full, fully supportive of the family. They investigated it, they found out the mob who did it and the man who was behind it. He was imprisoned. But years later, I had an opportunity to listen to um, Graham's wife when she visited the hospital where I worked in India. She came, she was invited to speak, she spoke. During her speech, she clearly mentioned with tears that I have forgiven them already. I have forgiven them already. And the interesting thing is, she's still there, whereas her husband started the work. She's still continuing the missionary work. Her daughter is still in India studying uh, elsewhere, but she's so committed to the work. Doesn't matter whether the death took of her husband and her two sons, she's still there. What an amazing testimony of forgiving enemies. That's what it hears. Although it doesn't make sense, when you compare the Bible scriptures and Lord Jesus Christ and the living testimony of the people, you know that David actually didn't hate God's enemy or his enemies. And then in Matthew 5.44, sorry, Matthew 5.44, it says something like, pray that God's enemy will turn to him before he judges them. So I believe all of us are praying for those people, those who are not saved, especially our friends, our family members, our neighbors, please continue to pray. And the people, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ, those who go against the biblical values of this country was formed, please pray for them. Like Richard Dawkins only recognized it. He may come to faith, we don't know. Um, Many of them also know uh, the famous psychologist called uh, Jordan Peterson. He also dropped a bomb into the famous atheist debates as well. So there are many people just coming back uh, to the atheist and rest of the world that what you said was completely wrong. So this is the only beginning of it. I only heard it. There are many more people who also said that I did know. So always continue to pray. I would encourage every one of us to pray that all the people, those who don't know Christ, will somehow come to know Christ. As Archbishop said, we all need to join hands, uh, hands to hands with other Christians, and then we should make known to the government that we are there to represent the original foundation values of this country. Amen. It's, thank you, thank you, whoever said amen, thank you. It's easy to say it here on the pulpit, but when you are on the field, it is not easy. We know what happened to the uh, couple, those a couple or so, I would say couple, a man and a woman who preached uh, um, gospel uh, during the Pride Month. Uh, we, we saw the video on the, on the website as well. Th those who were arrested, they didn't say anything about any people. They were just, it's, it's like uh, John the Baptist, simple message, repent. That's what the man was saying in Northern Irish accent, repent. That's all he said. He didn't say anything by, watch, uh, by looking at the video. Pr pray continuously that the Lord will open the doors. Um, maybe you don't know some of our children, maybe future politicians uh, in, the, in the doll representing Christian faith. Things will change. Let's continue to work together. Pray because God is the judge. 
going to finish it in a few minutes anyway. I think I'm over 25 minutes, so excuse me. So let's go to Romans uh, chapter 8, 29. This is again a very familiar passage to all of us. We all know that for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among the many brethren. So we all know that once God calls you, he's not going to leave you alone. Doesn't matter what, what, how your faith is, you're going to continuously speak to either people or through Bible words or songs or any, anything else, and then he won't let you down. He will make sure that you follow him and eventually we will all go to see, uh, face to, uh, see him face to face. And then, if you are in trouble in terms of making any decision, as James 3.17 says, ask godly wisdom. Godly wisdom will come through uh, either prayer or through godly people. Godly counsel is also very, very important. You know, we all have our, uh, our friends outside of our family, like the pr friends from prayer group or other churches. Always look for uh, God first, then godly counsel. God will be able to give us right wisdom, godly wisdom, so we'll be able to make sound decisions. So the take-home point is pray that God's enemy will turn to him before he judges them. Just we're coming to the uh, end, of the, end of the meditation. When we buy any instruments, microwave or piano, whatever it is, it always comes with owner's manual. Encourage young Christians, our children, to read owner's manual, which is Bible. So it's always good to refer it to owner's manual. Then we know where we are wrong, what number we are wrong. So this is real. And also, I would encourage the young people to watch the testimonies of the people from different backgrounds, like you can watch Katie Taylor or any other sports person or any, any senior actor. Um, see how the Bible or their, the, 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 the teachings from the Bible was personal to them that made them to, uh, made them to go on the rightly direction that I am a Christian, doesn't matter what field I'm going to work, what field I'm going to you know, look for, I will represent the Christian values. So please encourage our children um, to watch these type of uh, DVD, uh, you know, YouTube or whatever. So make sure that it is the right one, not the wrong one. So our responsibility is to guide them the one that we had seen and know that this is the right YouTube. So our children will also watch it and then hopefully God speak through you know, these real people testimonies that this is not the book that was written years ago. This is the book that is still alive that changes our lives as well. As we, as we read it a few minutes ago, any difficulties, always ask for godly wisdom. And as Roman 8, 29 says, God loves us, he called us, he's going to help us to meet him face to face. As the psalm ends, let's all humbly ask God to search our heart. If there is any wrongdoing, if there is any wrong motives, let God forgive us and help us to find everlasting life. God bless you all.